3: Welcome to another edition of the Talking Metal Podcast. And before we get started, I just wanted to remind you, the Talking Metal Hotline number is open, 973-757-1917. That's right. I'm saying it right this time. Um, I was very concerned because no one was calling in, and then I realized on the last two episodes I was giving out the wrong number. Uh, So it's fixed now. Uh, Here we go. 973-757-1917. We will be getting to a call later in the episode, so stay tuned for that. And introducing my lovely, beautiful, gorgeous, talented co-host, my wife, Emily Striegel. How are you?
2: Wow, that was nice.
3: All true. And a talking metal toast. You you have a plastic cup, so we're not going to hear it. But Emily, what are you drinking on today's uh, podcast?
2: It's not metal. I'm not telling you. I'm not telling you. I'm going to lose so much credibility because I'm typically drinking beer, right? Or whiskey. But tonight I'm drinking champagne.
3: <laughs> you, drink, you drink champagne a lot too. Then champagne's a great drink. There's nothing to be uh, ashamed of. I buy about these that. little
2: mini bottles of champagne because yeah. you don't really like it, so I'm not going to buy a big bottle.
3: I, yeah, I don't mind it, but I prefer um, usually beer and maybe a little. Uh, we've been drinking the uh, cold cocked whiskey, which is very good.
2: It's cold cock, not cold cock. Well, co- oh,
3: there you go, cold cock whiskey. Cock. Cock. Anyways, we are here to present the continuing coverage of the Rock Carnival. If you've been paying attention to the last four episodes, you've heard a lot of great interviews that Mitch Lafon and myself have done with members of the Alice Cooper Band, the great Punky Meadows, and who else, Jackal, um, Blasco, to name a few, and on this episode... We are going to continue our coverage, and we have a lot of great interviews. We're going to hear from PJ and Steve, PJ Farley, Steve Brown from Trickster. We're going to hear from JD from Black Label Society. We're going to hear from the band The Apocalypse Blues Review, and we're going to talk a little bit about um, the Rock Carnival. So, Emily, you weren't there the first day, which you were lucky because it was a, a rain out, but you came down like halfway through the second day, and... To me, the second day, I mean, I wasn't there the third day. You were, but I, the second day, I had a couple big highlights. What, how, what were your highlights of the day?
2: Second day was, yeah, it was amazing. Um, highlights for me were Monster Magnet. First, oh my God, the first time I've seen Monster Magnet, we were doing the math, I think it's been 11 years. and It's I, been a while, yeah. I love them. Love Dave Windorf. I was able to shoot them. And, you know, I got up really, really close, and, you know, he was just on fire. I thought they were fantastic.
3: And we will be posting some of the photos Emily took of Monster Magnet in today's show notes. Uh, Who else?
2: So, loved them, loved um, Overkill. Oh, my God. I was going crazy. I know Mark was looking at me like I was a maniac, because I was jumping all over the place. No, it
3: was great. I mean, and I know it's been—I saw—I was trying to think— we saw Overkill together on the Gigantor tour yeah. many years ago. I went with John Astronomy to see them once. We were guests of Ron Lipnicki, uh, their drummer, and we saw them in the city. And I don't know if it was Roseland. I'm thinking it was that PlayStation Theater place is where John saw Yeah, and I, I wasn't there.
2: Them. I would remember. Yeah, I think the last time I saw them was Gigantor.
3: Yeah, I think it was that PlayStation Theater, uh, which has had a few different names. But yeah, uh, we saw them there, and I got to tell you. This last time seeing them with you at Rock Carnival was one of my favorite times. It was amazing. They were like, so good.
2: And you know, the thing was, it, was, it wasn't it was pouring raining, but it was like misting. When they played. Right. When they played. And the wind was blowing. And it was this like, with the lighting and everything, it was like this mystical, amazing, like, I felt like we were in some kind of dream sequence. It was right. the coolest thing ever.
3: Some of the bands there had kind of a boomy, echoey sound. They, they sounded so clear to me. They did. Yeah. Uh, and which a lot of times with a thrash band or a heavy band, sometimes stuff does get lost live in the open air settings, but not, it sounded, they sounded so great. They sounded so great. And one thing about both of those bands that you mentioned that was a highlight for me, and I really have to give you credit for making this happen, is We didn't interview Dave Wendorf or Bobby Blitz at the at the Rock Carnival. Of course, you interviewed Bobby Blitz a a number of episodes ago, but we got to hang with them, and it was almost cooler because we didn't have the microphones going, and we got to talk with them like normal people. And I thought that was a a really cool moment of the Rock Carnival, at least least for me. It was a a lot of fun, and to just have a a normal conversation with them, you know.
2: Well, I've always said to Mark, it's too bad. Like the best conversations we have typically are off mic you know um that goes for a lot of different artists when you're just hanging out but yeah i was so excited to be able to talk to him again talk to his lovely wife again and i got to meet some other members of the bands and the band and their fiance's girlfriends wives and so yeah fun.
3: and the one thing i was surprised by at the show i mentioned my friend Lon, ron lipnicki uh, who's obviously not a super tight friend anymore because I haven't spoken with him in probably two years, but he's out, and we had a new drummer um at the Overkill show, and I had looked around on blabbermouth and and had seen that uh you know they kind of said they were having a fill in drummer, but Bobby Blitz basically confirmed to us that night that Ron is definitely not in the band anymore, so um which is kind of bums me out but Honestly, uh, no disrespect towards Ron. They sounded fantastic at the rock carnival with the Thank new you. guy, who I forgot his name. But uh, Bobby Blitz, great guy, and you and Dave Wendorf talking about strippers and you, yeah. <laughs> no, I don't know.
2: I don't even know how we got on that subject. I tend to get on the stripper subject a lot. It's the Jersey thing. That was the cool. That was the other really cool thing about this festival. Is it, it was like Jersey in the house. Between Dave and, you know, Overkill and Twisted Sister, I know they're really, what, more New York, I
3: guess. But Yeah, and even Punky Meadows, uh, you know, in Punky Meadows' band, he, the drummer from Monster Magnet was playing with Punky Meadows. And Chandler Mogul, who's been on the podcast, a friend of the shows, I believe he's he's a Jersey guy too, friend of Bumblefoot's, he was singing with Punky. So yeah, there was JD from Black Label Society, of course, a Jersey guy. Zach originally from from Jersey, uh, but yeah, it was definitely the Jersey was in the house for sure and on the stage.
2: And you felt that, like you totally. Oh, and Sebastian Bach, Sebastian Bach, got up on stage on Sunday and was just like saying how much he. I lived in Jersey for twenty years and I miss it and blah blah blah. He was like fuck you, Hurricane Irene. He went talk, talking about the-
3: Lost his house. He lost his hurricane. house.
2: It was basically, basically washed away, which is why he left. But yeah, it was definitely Jersey strong.
3: All right. Well, let's get into some interviews right now. We'll start things off with one that I did on Saturday. Very brief. My old buddy from Berkeley, JD, who has been with Zach for a long time now, and he also has a great band called Cycle of Pain, which played the rock carnival. So first, let's check out some classic Black Label Society with J.D. on bass. This is Parade of the Dead. That will be followed by my probably two-minute interview with J.D., maybe three minutes, and uh, after that, we'll hear a little Cycle of Pain. So here we go. Black Label Society, followed by my interview with J.D. from Black Label Society. He's so amazing, the laws of all, the sacred. Hey, it's Mark Striegel from Talking Metal, and we are here at the Rock Carnival in New Jersey, the home state for J.D. from Black Label Society, right? J.D., how are you? How you doing, Mark, man? Good to see you, brother. Good to see you again. Um,
4: so let's talk about what you're up to. You're always staying busy with so much stuff. I know you just got off a, a tour, right? Yeah, yeah, with Zach. Uh, we did the Book of Shadows run for, uh, since May. So uh, we did that for like the last four months, and we had like a couple Black Label shows in there as well. Uh, like, we did Heavy Montreal and uh, uh, Sturgis we played with Black Label. And uh, we we uh, did, like, one show with uh, Guns N' Roses, but that was with the Zach Wilde thing, too. So well, it was a fly date, you know what I mean? That was pretty cool, man. Where,
3: where was the Guns N' Roses yeah, did, uh, thing?
4: Phoenix at the uh, the Cardinal Stadium. So that was dope, man. You know, it was like, you know, 60,000 people there. It was amazing. Guns N' Roses sounded great. You know, it was a good time, man. Cool. So besides the
3: work you do with Zach, what else is happening for you?
4: Um, well, you know... Uh, I'm going you know, to do nails, I think. I'm going to get my nail salon going. But besides that, I, I got Cycle of Pain. You know, we're going to play today, uh, and then um, we're going to write some new stuff, try to put something out or maybe do a little run here and there, you know what I mean, while I'm off. You know what I mean? And I write my own stuff, too. And um, then we're going to do another Black Label record probably in about November or something, the fall. So uh, that's about it, man. But for right now, I'm just going to be writing and recording, man.
3: And. We're here at the Rock Carnival in Lakewood, New Jersey. Where, you're from New Jersey, right? Yeah, yeah from Cliffwood Beach, man. Cliffwood Beach. Yeah, yeah, not far, like 30 minutes away. Cool. We'll have a great set tonight with Cycle of Pain. And where can the Talking Metal listeners check out Cycle of Pain online? Uh,
4: like, on, we, we have stuff on iTunes, you know what I mean? So you guys can go to the, our first record, which was put out, like, years ago now. And we have a couple of singles that we put out, too, since then. So you can go on iTunes, check that out, and... Uh, that's about it, man. But uh, good seeing another Berkeley brother.
3: Yeah, good seeing you, J.D. Have a great set today.
4: Thanks, man. Cool. All right, good seeing you. I So, Johnny, I said, uh, well, yeah. I'll probably he, see you. He'll him. be around, Yeah, you know? I okay. think he's
3: almost here. He said he's on his on road. Oh, really? He's yeah. in route? Yeah. Nice, man. Just heard it was the song "Dirt" by Cycle of Pain. They played the Rock Carnival, put on a great set, and kind of an interesting band that played the Rock Carnival was the Apocalypse Blues Review. And you caught up with these guys. Um, you weren't really expecting to interview them. It was kind of a spur of the moment thing, right?
2: It was literally, it was very spur of the moment. They were the coolest guys, so nice. So I couldn't say no, but basically the people that were coordinating the interviews came up and said, Hey, do you, you know, do you have a second to interview these guys? And I'm like, well, sure. I mean, maybe can I prep a little bit? And they're like, well, they have to go on stage. So can you do them right now? And I was like, sure. (laughs) So this was very much on spur of the moment.
3: Right. They're called the Apocalypse Blues Review. Of course, this band includes the one and only Shannon Larkin, who's been on the podcast before. I believe John did an interview with him, and he played on one of my favorite albums in one of my favorite bands and possibly the best live performance I've ever seen in my life. And that band is Amen, of course, but he's probably most known for Godsmack and uh, Tony... Rombola, I believe, is his name. He he is also in in God's Mac, and he's also in the apocalypse 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 Apopoli, apocalypse <laughs> <laughs> the apocalypse blues review. And we're going to check those guys out right now. Hear a song by them. This song is called "Whiskey and My Coffee," and that'll be followed by Emily Striegel's interview with the Apocalypse Blues Review. We'll have. Links up in today's show notes where you can connect with these guys online.
2: Talking Metal listeners, Emily Striegel coming at you right now from the Rock Carnival in Lakewood, New Jersey. With me right now I've got the Apocalypse Blues Review. I'm just going to go around and have you guys introduce yourselves.
5: Hi, I'm Shannon, I'm the drummer. Hey, what's up, this is Tony. How you doing, Rafer? Hey, it's Brian, I'm the bass player.
2: Nice, welcome guys. Really nice to meet you. So tell me where you're coming from today and what you're doing and... um, you're looking forward to playing about an hour here, but where are you coming from today?
5: We played in Waynesboro, Pennsylvania last night, and uh, we've we've been on tour for a couple weeks now. Our first record just came out last month, so we're very excited.
2: Where can we get the record? Where can we pick it up?
5: Well, you know, you can go to theapocalypsebluesreview.com, of course. We have and we have vinyl too. We're really stoked about oh. that. And uh, but you know, it's on iTunes, of course, and mom-and-pop stores carry us
2: nice I love the vinyl I'm a huge vinyl person myself I listen to a lot of vinyl I'm always curious though like how expensive is it to make vinyl and is that like lucrative like do you end up, end up making money is this the first time you've done that or you make a record like an actual vinyl record and you sell it can you make money on that or is it expensive to more expensive to make than it is lucrative does that make sense
5: uh, yeah you know records cost more now to make yeah. and to buy because they're not, like, the factory anymore of yeah. records. So it is, but I guess it works out because they charge more for them. It's a click, you know. We've made, Tony and I made a record. Well, Godsmack is our other band, yeah. and uh, our last record, our album came out on record for the first time since the first record from Godsmack. So cool. we were stoked on that, but uh, it wasn't something that was a mass release, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Because of the cost to make it. But well, you know, we, we, that was one of the points that we wanted to sign with this label, ProVog, that we're with. Because they're like, we make vinyl. So we're like, yay! Yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> no, that's, that's extremely appealing, I know, to a lot of people. So, I know. I'll check it out for sure. So, tell me about, um, stylistically, how, I mean, you've worked with Godsmack before. Is this a totally different um, direction for you?
5: Yeah, it is. It's more
6: classic rock, blues rock, um, opposed to you know metal and rock. Uh, so yeah, stylistically it's much different, and um, even even gear-wise, you know, I we use all different gear for this uh, for, as Godsmack. So there's a lot of a lot of uh, things that are a lot different that I, I I'm enjoying because it's it seems fresh and exciting now. You know, after doing Godsmack for so long. So yeah, we're having fun with this.
2: Awesome. Very cool. So. Um where you guys headed next are you doing a full tour to support the new album which just dropped you said one
5: yes we well this is the first leg we call it i guess because it's like a just a month run and then we go home to florida and we'll probably do the south from for the next couple months see with blues like the gateway to blues is like festivals but in that genre you have to book these things six months to a year in advance and so we didn't have the right agent to do that for us to start this summer and the record timing when it came out wasn't right so next year we'll do a lot of festivals and stuff but this year we just our plan is to stay south of the mason dixon line where people appreciate what we do so it's great wow. to be here in jersey and maybe we can uh, turn some metal folks on the, on the blues.
2: See, I'm a, I'm a huge, huge booth person. I'm from the Midwest, too, so, like, go figure. But, you know, my roots are in the South, so maybe that's what it is, maybe. And you guys are, you guys, are, are you all from Florida? Are you all?
5: Yeah, yeah, we're, we're, we're not born there. You know, he's a Boston guy, I'm a Chicago okay. guy. Yeah. He's a, a New York guy, but he's actually bred and spread in the great state of Florida. All
2: right. How did you all hook up? I want to hear the story. I know how you guys met, but what about you guys?
6: All right, I met uh, Shannon through a mutual friend at a biker bar. Nice. And we started getting together, um, going for rides, having lunch, just just kind of talking and having a good time. And then uh, one day Shannon came to my house and saw my acoustic in the corner. He said, go ahead, play me a song. <laughs> he heard me play, and I guess he liked my voice. A couple weeks later, he gave me a call said, come on down. I want you to sing this blues song. And the rest is history.
2: I love... That story, okay. The Biker Bar, amazing. And then, how did you come into the
5: loop? Uh, actually, a local radio station was doing like a building the band contest, and uh, so I entered as a bass player. And you know, uh, Shannon was like, "Yeah, that's the guy." And I was like, "Oh, you know, awesome." Cool. So that's.
2: So what have you done before now? Have you just done your own bands and stuff?
5: Uh, I toured with uh, Ricky Medlock's Blackfoot for about six years, and we put a record out. But now I'm with these guys, and I love it.
2: Yeah, very cool. Cool. Do you remember well, Blackfoot? I've heard of Blackfoot. Yes, I know Blackfoot. <laughs> I'm gonna. I know you guys probably have a couple more interviews to do, and you guys have to get back on stage soon. I don't know what time it is, but um, I'm I'm thanking you guys for sitting down with Talking Metal today. This is very cool to meet you. I'm I'm definitely gonna come check out your set. Look for me in the photo pit. I'll be. I like do it all. So interviews well, thank and. You
5: <laughs> for having us. Because obviously, you know, no one knows who we are yet. And oh, every, they will. Every every little thing helps, and uh, this is big, a big thing. And so thanks for having us.
2: Very, very cool. Well, thanks for being on Talking Meadow. We'll see you guys soon. Awesome. All right. Yeah. No,
3: just heard was a little sound sample of i stand alone by godsmack featuring of course shannon and tony who are also in the apocalypse blues review right now we're going to get to our hotline messages again the hotline number is 973-757-1917 this one just came in i have not listened to it i swear on my life and uh I swear on my wife, who is right here with me. So let's check this out. Emily, are you listening? I'm listening. All right. This is a little voicemail that has come in through the new Talking Metal hotline. Let's see who this is here.
7: Mr. Striegel, this is me, Bill Wang, Talking Metal co-host alumnus.
3: Bill the Wang. question
7: I have for you with the inside sources and The co-founder of Talking Metal, your buddy, John Astronomy, working for Ace Fraley. The persistent rumors of Ace returning to Kiss in 2017. We hear these rumors consistently, constantly, daily. My sources tell me maybe, they say maybe not. Now you, with the inside scoop on things. What is your opinion and what have you heard? Inquiring minds want to know. This is Bill Wang, W-A-N-G, Talking
3: Metal, baby. Bam. Wow, Bill, you need your own show. Um, Yeah, and Bill Wang, of course, known to the old school Talking Metal fans as Donnie G. Remember Donnie G? Totally. Yeah. Uh, Real quick, uh, my opinion is that, you know... People really want this to happen. You know, Paul Stanley and Ace Frehley are buddies again. They they appeared in the video, Ace's video together, and are on good terms, which is awesome, and and the KISS fans love that. And, and I think that has gotten everybody really wanting to see Ace back in KISS for maybe one more tour. And I think it's very possible it could happen at some point, but, you know, I also think it's very possible it could not happen. And the inside stuff I have is, is I, is basically not all that inside because, um, Ace has said on numerous, numerous times, including Eddie Trunk just said this on his podcast that, um, Ace, Eddie asked Ace if, if they had contacted him, if Kiss had contacted him and Ace said, myself, my phone has not rung. He has not been offered this position, but everyone wants this so bad that these rumors are flying all over the place. So if Kiss is talking about it, they haven't reached out to Ace and I don't I I kind of think they're not. Gene said recently that it's not happening as far as I know. Uh, I remembered reading that and you know as far as John goes, if Ace doesn't know anything about it, John doesn't know anything about it. And that's that's what I've heard.
2: And by the way, so, oh yeah. So first of all, when, when Paul Stanley put it, that picture of that old school picture of he and Ace like last year or something like that. Like my hair stood on end at that moment. I thought this is going to happen. But what I didn't realize was that he was going to be on the, the ACE
3: before they announced that he yeah. was going to be on the ACE, yeah. the but, ACE covers record. Yeah.
2: But it's kind of setting everything up, but let's talk about his, his performance on at Saturday at rock carnival. At yeah. Rock carnival. Yeah. yeah. It's good. That's segue. the other that, yeah, that's the other performance that was just like yeah. Awesome. awesome.
3: Yeah. And, and Donnie just to uh, Bill Lang, I'm sorry, just to wrap up. Uh, I, I I think this is a mass, uh, illusion. Um, the grand illusion, if you will, Emily and I just saw sticks recently, by the way, uh, that, that I I really don't think there's any evidence at all that this is happening, but I think people want it to happen so bad that that's where these rumors are coming from. Um, and, and if the people want it enough and they're willing to go pay three hundred dollars for a ticket, just like you know they were for the Guns and Roses shows. Maybe it will happen, you know. If 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 there's a demand, maybe it'll happen. But I don't personally believe, and I I would tell you I wouldn't be saying it with this this much um, conviction. I personally believe that there are no cards in place at this time for it to happen but as emily was saying ace Freely played with his great solo band the rock carnival we got to see john a little bit uh, backstage there ace was there and uh, he just rocked it as always in and it was raining a little harder when he went on i don't know if you noticed it that
2: was that. no we came up and we were eating dinner <laughs> we were eating hot dogs mm-hmm. <laughs> for dinner you after gotta you... Eat. <laughs> you gotta eat at the festival um but my vote is Ace is coming back into kiss. Okay Just and that's partly because you're my husband and we just have to be like the yin and the yang. Yep. So if Ace goes back with kiss, you owe me a100
3: dollars.: Oh I owe you a hot dog and a100 dollars. OK, so on that note, Ace rocked the rock Carnival. Let's do a little rocking with Ace right now. This is Space Invader.
1: For a thousand years, we've all been blind There's no time to waste, give up the struggle We must embrace our hosts, give it up for me. We must accept our fate
3: the song space invader by ace frilly go buy it on itunes or amazon i've been buying a lot of mp3s on amazon lately as opposed to to itunes but you know that's just me let's keep the music going with a little trickster we're gonna hear crash that party by the band trickster and after that we're gonna hear emily's interview with pj farley and steve brown nice guys right
2: such nice guys, just so down to earth and cool. And again, the Jersey contingent, yes. continues. Trickster, Jersey band, love yeah. it. So, we got to talk a little bit about New York and what they did after Trickster broke up. I found that
3: very interesting. I listened to this interview yeah. already, and I found that very interesting that you know they were out there. Well, we'll let them tell the story and then we'll come back and talk about yeah, it. Yeah,
2: exactly. But the, their set was, was so good, they were awesome, but I felt terrible because PJ's bass literally went out for an entire song. Wow. His roadie was like running off stage, you know, had to grab another bass entirely because he was trying to figure out, I think if it was the amp or the bass, it must've been the bass because, you know, he finally got back going again, but they went through a whole song with just drums and guitar.
3: Cool. And we'll have a couple pictures up from their performance. You got some pictures, right, Emily? Or no? Yes, I did. Okay. Well, hopefully we'll have those in today's show notes. This is Crash That Party by Trickster a song from 2015 and we'll follow that with Emily's interview with PJ Farley the bassist and Steve Brown the lead guitarist of Trickster.
2: This is Emily Striegel coming at you from Talking Metal today. I'm here with two of the guys from Trickster. I'm with PJ and Steve. How are you guys doing today?
6: Doing fairly well. We're dry today, which is a good thing.
2: Doing
8: great. Getting ready for the big rock and roll show here in Lakewood, New Jersey.
2: All right. Now, you say you're staying dry today. Were you here yesterday to partake in some of the wet festivities?
8: Yeah, no, we weren't here, but we heard all about the wetness. We, we, we missed the wet t-shirt contest, so... We're actually very bummed about that, but great to be here today. I
2: know, right? Yeah, so my I literally took my boots last I took my boots off last night and threw them in the, the sink at the hotel just threw, and just kind of turned it on. so now my feet are cold and wet again, but at least they're not as muddy as they were yesterday. Yeah. So welcome, where are you guys coming from today?
6: Home actually, this is our home state, so we live here, so this is uh,
8: just a, literally a day in the park for us. <laughs> A day in the minor league baseball park. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, we're, we live about an hour and 15 minutes north up, you know, Bergen County area, so, you know, a little hop, skip, and a jump from old Paramus, New Jersey. Here we are back in Lakewood, ready to rock.
2: And you guys are all originally from Paramus, and you guys, none of you have left, so this is, you never, did like, did the move out to, like, oh, you moved to L.A. for a while, like, back in the day, right? Nope,
6: no one, no one did. Um, Pete and Mark live in Arizona now. But me and Steve still reside in Jersey. Jersey Boys.
2: Yeah. So what are you guys working on right now? I know you guys had an album that came out last year called... Help me out. Human Era. Yeah, that's it. And I did take a listen, and it's, it's really good. And the thing that impressed me about it was that you guys... It wasn't like a reinvention. And you guys had an album out, I think, a few years before, which, you know, also had the same vibe. But this album, Human Era specifically, it felt like... Old school trickster. You guys aren't trying to reinvent yourselves, and that I really dug that. I I, I like it a lot. Great.
6: Well, that, that was the um, I don't know if it was the point because there really is no essential point to what we do. We just kind of do it. So, but that's been the, the ongoing theme. It doesn't sound like it's a uh, contrived or like we're trying too hard. You know. So uh, that's a win for us.
2: And do you guys all work together on writing the material, or how does that work with two of you in Jersey and two of you in Arizona?
8: Well, we, uh, we, we do it the way a lot of bands make records nowadays. You know, you can make records with, you know, Dropbox and digital files and Pro Tools and PJ and I are both in New Jersey. Luckily, I think Gus was still living in Jersey when we did the drum tracks, but Pete, our vocalist, does his vocals at his studio in Arizona, sends them to me and I drop them in and, you know, it's that, that old saying, it's like uh, rock and roll records is like making sausage. You never want to see how it's made, but when it's done, you love the way it tastes. You know, And that's kind of the way it is. We take bits and pieces, and some of the songs are actually were were old like demos that we, you know, that we kind of you know revamped, and uh, and that's the way it
2: works. Very cool. So, um, looking at like your touring, so you guys are definitely playing some dates, but they seem to be fairly sporadic. I don't, aren't you guys aren't planning any kind of extensive touring, or did you do some touring to support that album?
6: Um, no, the way we've been doing it since we put the band back together in 2008, just kind of weekend fly dates, sporadic, um, you know, busier in the summer months, um, although we have a fairly busy fall. Um, you know, fairs, festivals, casinos, and some select arena shows with packages and whatnot. Some headlining gigs here and there. You know, it's kind of all over the all over the place. Mm-hmm.
2: So take me back to you guys obviously hugely successful in the 80s, early 90s, broke up, what, 95-ish? That's right. like
6: that, yeah.
2: And then take me through that process of breaking up, getting back together, and it's the original lineup. Yeah.
8: So. Um, well, we... We worked really hard through the 90s. 95 came about, and we realized that we couldn't go any further with what we were doing. And I had been always writing and coming up with different material. And I was only, we were, I was 25 at the time. So I said, I want to completely change the, you know, change the game. We're going to end Trickster. And uh, PJ and I started this great band called Throwing Rocks, and uh, you know, went out and really. Did the whole New York City club scene and toured a little bit and really trying to reinvent the wheel, which is very a lesson we learned. It's very hard to reinvent the wheel when you're in a band that was famous once because the the saying, the thing that always came back to us, oh it's the guys from Trickster. And we continued on and tortured ourselves for 10 years, you know, doing this. But it was great. We learned so much. We learned about, you know. Uh, writing, recording, getting out there in the business, learning really how cruel the business can be. What matters in this, and what doesn't matter, yeah.
6: most importantly. And
8: uh, yeah. you know, we had a couple other bands, 40 Foot Ringo, which was, you know, we had a record on this European label that was really well received all around the world. And uh, we came really close to getting a major label deal with that. But that kind of fizzled. It's you know, so it was kind of a disappointment. But we had a blast along the way. You know, running, playing great shows, opening up for like Cheap Trick, David Lee Roth, wow. and then 2008, yeah, Scorpio, Alice Cooper. Yeah. Who, who can forget about that? 2008, we decided to put the band back together, and uh, you know, we started out at the the uh, world famous Rocklahoma festival in yes. in Oklahoma. When yeah, it was like a wicked tornado, and we almost we all oh, we almost died there, are all of us, us and Eddie Trunk. So.
2: What How year was that?
8: 2008, that big hurricane that blew Holy through. Shit. It's on YouTube, you can see it. Yeah, it's pretty scary.
6: Mother yeah. Nature is actually a video somebody put together.
2: I have to watch this. I've never been to Oklahoma before. Really? Were there any deaths?
6: No, somebody broke an arm. There was a, Thank God. A okay.
2: Right, we can deal with a dead arm, but no <laughs> dead people. Wow, that's, that's amazing. So when you say that this project that you guys put together after the breakup, it was kind of a reinvention. Like, what do you mean by that? Like, were you guys stylistically doing something in a totally different direction? Completely
8: different. I wasn't even playing guitar. I was singing lead and doing a whole, it was kind of like if you can imagine Lenny Kravitz, Stone Temple Pilots meets Oasis kind of that whole thing very beatily and uh, you know it was very very cool at the time and you know again we came very close but we always ran into that same sort of thing you know oh it's the trickster guys no matter how you mask it they're gonna find out
2: (laughs) (laughs) you can't hide from the trickster um so that was like 90 so you said like 98 so um Gosh, I moved to New York City in 98. So where were you guys playing? I want to hear. Like none of the clubs are there anymore, right? Were you playing like Don Hills? Did you do, do oh, CBGB? Yeah. Don Hill and I, I miss Ar- Don Hills. Brownies,
8: Arlene Grocery, Brownies. Mercury Lounge, yeah. e- everywhere. All CBGB many times, which we're grateful that we got to play oh, there. But so many great shows and, you know, met so many great people, but uh, you know, hey, it's part of the part of the learning, you know, of this business.
2: So This album came out 2015. I'm going to give you guys a little bit of a break, but I see you had an album in 2012, 2015, so we're looking at 2018 for more material. Are we even thinking about that at this point, or are we just going to take it a day at a time?
6: Uh, Yeah, right now we're just... uh, The problem we're running into is because we do these festivals, we only usually get like a half hour, maybe 45 minutes, so... You know, and for us, people want to hear, want to hear the that. stuff that yeah. they grew up on. Yep. So we're like, all right, so we keep doing these records <laughs> and we want to play all this new material, but we can't. Yeah. So it's like we're, we have four full length records now and we, we still struggle to get material <laughs> yeah. in. And so it's like, you know, and for a band of our genre from you know, our time period to come out with two full <laughs> length original records in four years is it's a lot so I, I think we kind of met our quota yeah. for the time being right <laughs> for now the for the
1: decade <laughs> that's yeah, what i was I, gonna I say think so <laughs> can, i think we
2: can
6: you know slow the roll a little yeah. bit but it yeah, doesn't mean we won't make another one i just you know it's not on the yeah.
2: no i was impressed by that when i went through and i looked it was like wow yeah. was a live album in 2009 yeah. Yeah. and yeah. two like new material like albums of new material so that's really impressive So I'm really excited to see you guys today. Good. You're playing very soon. I'm going to let you guys rest. I know you have probably a couple of other interviews, but um, I'm looking forward to it. Thanks for um, being on Talking Metal today, and we'll see you soon. Thanks for having us. Thanks
6: for listening. We
1: love you. We love love you.
2: you. We love you, all right.
6: (laughs) We always like to close interviews with British accents. Are you
2: serious? We could have done the whole thing. We could, have done the whole, we could have done the whole interview in an accent. Let's try it again. All right, sit down. No. Get some tea and some crumpets. Nice to meet you.
3: just heard with some classic trickster here on talking metal give it to me good it's got to be about 1990 and uh yeah we got to hit some monster magnet right now this is negasonic teenage warhead they played this at the show guys love these guys monster magnet
1: saw your face last night Strong fine snake in a sucker's vacuum Fifteen clicks and it's time to say goodbye Fifteen trips and a lovely one will die
2: was Megasonic Teenage Warhead off the Dopes to Infinity album Monster Magnet. Another man, we both bought the only t-shirts Mark and I bought at the at the festival were Monster Magnet. Yeah. We both bought one.
3: Now, I want to ask you that t-shirt I got has the the silhouette of the girl with the like hourglass figure and the big boobs sticking out. It's probably not a shirt I'm going to wear to work, but is it like cool to wear around town with that image sure. on it? Okay.
2: Oh my god! I wear. I was wearing a cat house T-shirt the other day that had like a naked mermaid with stars over her nipples, and I didn't realize. Okay. <laughs> I didn't realize I was wearing it in front of like children. Maybe it's not the best thing.
3: But as Emily, as we mentioned earlier, Emily and I were talking to Dave backstage, I guess I'd call it, or back in the press room area, not doing an interview with him. And you you brought, you got him to talk about, you know, you were asking.
2: Well, I was just saying, I was like, Dave, I was like, dude, you know, we haven't seen you in like 11 years. I haven't seen you live in like 11 years. Like I've been seeing them all the way back. Like, God, I saw them open for the Colt. I saw them with you a couple of times, Irving Plaza, just them solo. Um, It's been a while. And his comment just kind of threw me back because the most recent tour they did was in Europe. And it was like a brief tour and they came back and, you know, he's not really doing much. And he said it's because, he basically said it was, you know, the audiences aren't evolving at all in, in the States. In, in Europe, you get the younger kids coming to the rock shows. Here, you kind of have like all the original fans and there's nothing wrong with that. But they're not picking up new fans. And that's kind of a, I think, a turnoff to a lot of these bands. And, and he spoke about that off mm-hmm. Off camera, right off on. Mike,
3: and we got his email, so hopefully we'll get him back on Talking Metal sometime real soon. We're gonna end with a little Amen, a band that features Shannon Larkin, who you heard briefly uh, from earlier. He's got the new project going, The Apocalypse Blues Review, and he's also known for his work with Godsmack. So let's check out a little Amen. The best, the best concert I ever saw was Amen in Las Vegas. Casey Chaos and the boys just brought down the house and destroyed it at the uh the hard rock in las vegas good stuff and uh yeah kind of a little off topic here because amen did not play the the rock carnival but Shannon but we Locken love Casey chaos yeah. yeah so here we go and we'll see you next time guys